0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Self Storage Income Podcast. We have an incredible episode lined up for you guys today. But before we get to that, we have to give a huge shout out to our sponsors Janice International, Tenant Inc., and Live Oak Bank. These are partners who we've specifically chosen for their expertise in the self storage industry. Whether you're looking to rehab a facility, develop a facility, Janice has some of the most incredible and industry-leading solutions for you to implement at your facility, whether that's their their door systems, their hallway systems, their no-key technology, their keyless access entry systems. Uh, they are hands down one of the best resources in the industry for you to rehab a facility and to develop a facility that meets today's standards. Then we've got Live Oak Bank. Live Oak Bank is yet again another amazing partner that we've wanted to have as our sponsor for this podcast. The work that they do and have done in the self-storage industry is just incredible, and they continue to do this every single day. They live in the storage industry and provide some of the best and most innovative financing solutions for you to be able to get into self-storage. Be sure to check them out. Get a hold of Terry and uh, get your financing straight. Get it right, and these guys are the best in the industry. Then we've got Tenant, Inc., all your property management needs tied into one solution. All of Tenant Inc.'s solutions underneath the Tenant Inc. umbrella, whether that's property management or that's tenant management, whatever that looks like, they've got a slew of amazing solutions for you guys to implement at your facility, to help streamline management, to help you gain control and access of all your data. And you're not giving that data to your competitors who are are offering the same type of, Software that doesn't even come close to what Tenant Inc. actually offers you. Again, you own that data, which is just huge, huge, huge and innovative for the self storage industry. Be sure to get at Tenant Inc. Check out all the links in the show notes for our sponsors. Get at them, get your facility on the right track, and get out there and crush it. With that said, let's get to the episode.
1: Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest-growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big-box stores from small third-tier markets to large hundred-plus-thousand-square-foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self Storage Income. Welcome everybody to Self Storage Income. And I got to say, this is probably my favorite podcast this year. It has nothing to do with the content whatsoever that you will hear in this podcast. We just got new mics and we're testing them
0: out, and um, so far they're amazing, uh, super incredible. And, and we're sitting here like, why did we not do this like forever ago? Yeah, uh, no, they're they're legit excited to jump into the today's episode. But yeah, yeah, I'm I'm extra happy as well. Oh yeah,
1: oh yeah, this is this is good time for us. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> We're just little giddy, oh. giddy I know, giddy kids, we're you know. nerds. So today is probably the most important discussion that you can have around self-storage. And um, we've talked about this in the past and we will talk about this in the future. We will never not talk about this because I truly believe it's the most important thing. And what we're talking about is understanding market demand. And you have to realize a plain and simple truth in self storage that you can be a horrible operator and do amazing in a good market and you can be an incredible operator and fail in a bad market and understanding and knowing that distinction is really really important um we always try to put ourselves in a position where we have a margin of stupidity, as I like to call it. As all you know, that's my MOS. And that means that the market, the asset, everything is so good that we can be stupid and still be successful. Now, of course, we pride ourselves on being a top operator. We have, you know, we have a facility that, you know, just to kind of, we work really hard to be a top operator and do things that are pretty intense around revenue management and marketing. In fact, you know, we have a facility that we just in one year increased our gross revenue potential um, by double. We doubled it. Uh-huh. And it, despite everything going on, despite everything that yeah. was going on at this facility. And this was a turnaround facility. So we, when we say that, you have to also understand we had leaky roofs. We had to remove gates. None of the tenants had leases. I mean, this wasn't the nicest, biggest new facility. No, no, nothing at all like this. This was a labor intensive that was throwing curveballs at us. And it, even with that, we still um, doubled the revenue potential in that facility. And what uh, that means is that our market rates and we'd gotten rates to twice as high as they were. So um, we've basically shaved off a year of, in our plan for that facility. So we're a year ahead and uh, we should get we should refinance that facility um, and deliver a uh, over 100% return in two years or less.
0: Yeah, yeah less than goal. two years. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing.
1: And although, once again, being a good operator is absolutely key because that's what's in your control. And I think that kind of example, shows what happens when good operators are in good markets. Now, how to make sure that you are in a market to where you will be successful uh, even when you have problems, even when you have whatever it was, 300 plus units that didn't have leases, even if you have a hundred of those units the roof is leaking in it on and you have to kick the tenants out um, and how you can deal with these problems and not get trapped um, and not get yourself in trouble when i look at that there's really four things that we're going to focus on to understanding market demand and these areas of focus are very important and we're going to start with the first okay so we we, we talk about square feet per capita. Now, square feet per capita in its sense can be confusing, but by the way, I made a YouTube video on these four things. And I, I don't know, that probably won't be out when this comes out, but it may be. Jump on YouTube and you can see if uh, uh, this one's out, but I, I go into it as well on there. It's, it's something that you should always be looking and figuring out how you can apply these four things to any markets you're looking at. Um, These four things also change, by the way, what we're willing to pay for a facility, because now we understand and know what the potential and the revenue potential is and what the odds of achieving revenue targets are. So it changes how we think uh, it changes the risk associated with those metrics. Um, so we, if it's good, we'll get more aggressive. If it's not as good, we won't. We'll stop at a certain point, So we can't pay this price. So this is a key factor, and not just safety, but also um, revenue projections, achieving turnarounds on and on and on. So the four things that we focus on, square feet per capita. Now, square feet per capita, a lot of people get confused by this. And I want to say this, square feet per capita has more to do, its importance probably has more to do with the fourth point on here. So we can't dismiss it because I'm going to say some things that you're going to be like, AJ, why do we even... Why do we even look at it when, you know? <laughs> it's
0: like cap rates. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> so we, uh, we need man. to put some context to this because after I get done explaining some of this, you're going to say, that I shouldn't even look at that metric. Um, the reason being is we have been in markets that have six square feet per capita, yet they had no demand, vacancy, and stagnant rates. And we have been in markets that have 30 square feet per capita rates rising very, very quickly, zero vacancy, even with new facilities coming onto the market. And uh, we've been in markets that have three square feet per capita and everything in between. And the correlation of low square footage to demand just doesn't exist always. What I mean by that is if that's all you're betting on, you could get yourself in trouble
0: because
1: that is not a set thing. There's no set rules to that. And two, you could also miss a lot of opportunity. So I'm going to come back to that in a minute. It's still an extremely important metric to understand. Now, understanding how that square foot is being utilized is really where it comes into play. And we look at occupancies But we also look at occupancies over a given period of time. So it's not just at that moment. Snapshot demand doesn't work, especially in markets like we're in today, where we have the, as I call it, the COVID bubble. And occupancies across the nation are just all, everything's full. It doesn't even matter. Mm -hmm. And you have to remember, until COVID started, we had, I can't remember how many months, or I think it was a year or two, where actually vacancies were rising in the United States. Occupancies were dropping because of all the new supply. COVID hit and shot right up. So I call it the COVID bump. It's a bump in occupancy that I don't know will continue. And I think you would be a fool to plan on what's happening in the last year to just Keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, this yeah. is
0: so abnormal, and everything that's happened. Right, trying to project that out at all. Uh, again, you're kind of you're getting outside of that idea of working from the knowns. Like you're yeah. expecting some kind of trend to continue, or you, I mean, you're doing the whole crystal ball approach at that point, yeah. where you're you've gotten away from just focusing on what's known. Yeah, the fundamentals. Yeah.
1: You're 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 hoping and praying, um, and so you have to have context with the occupancy. And you have to have that context over a long period of time within that market. And the best way to see if vacancies, and this is another problem with occupancy. so And this is going to be a reoccurring theme when we talk about market demand. Each one by itself does not paint the picture. Mm-hmm. You have to put them all together to see how all four of these points are working together. So occupancy... um, in some markets during the Great Recession, which we were owners, operators, and investors, their occupancy dropped by 10%, but their revenue dropped by 50 So occupancy doesn't always signify that there is either really strong demand or not. We've seen areas that have had high occupancies, but stagnant rates that entire time. So that brings us to number three. So first one, square foot per capita. We're looking at the numbers. Second one, we're looking at occupancy levels. We're looking at how that square footage is filled and being utilized. And then we're putting context to it over time and bringing the third one in, which is rate history. So what we want to see is high occupancies. So if you have low square foot markets, high occupancies, and rising rates year over year over year over year. you know that this demand, right is real. It is a it's a true demand happening in the market. It's actually um, it, it's not being manipulated by operators giving discounts, It's not stagnated like the market we looked in at six square feet per capita, which we were going to develop in. We couldn't understand why such a market that such low square feet per capita had such low (laughs) demand. It it blew our
0: minds. It was something else, man, because the whole time we're looking at this, we're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so amazing. And uh, yeah, we, we started looking at that demand that just was not even remotely there. And it was so it was so weird. I remember us just all being so confused. Yeah. We're like six square feet per capita. And there's <sighs> vacancy.
1: And the market all wasn't over. it wasn't decreasing, anything else like that. Yeah. And yeah. rates hadn't budged in years. And so you have to look at the correlation between those three things. Now, number four is really, really important because it is the thing that we use to lay over these to understand future supply. So understanding the snapshot of current and past demand. And how it correlates with occupancy and rate history gives us context to the actual demand in a given market. The last thing is how we understand what future demand will be on the market through understanding future supply. So, what projects are coming up and what projects are going to hit that market? And it's not that when people say, oh, well, there's lots of things being built or there's only one storage facility being built, that means nothing. Remember, each one of these alone is not enough. We have to give context to them. So how we give context to future supply, we take that total square uh, feet per capita on the market. Now, let's say that is 100,000 square feet per capita, right? And somebody's coming in and they're building 50,000 square feet. Now, That facility or those facilities could have raising rents. They could have high occupancy all the time. The change, and I'm using a very simple example, but let's keep it going here. It's the change in the overall supply. In this example, that's a 50% increase in market supply. I've seen this, by the way, I've seen two facilities coming into a market that were 200,000 square feet in a market that had 400,000 square feet. And the person that was looking at investing was like, yeah, but there's just so much demand. And I asked him, how are you quantifying that there is enough demand for a 50% increase in supply? Are you counting the amount of people Compared to the amount of storage, and then comparing it to regional uh, places around it and mm-hmm. showing discrepancies. That's one way we could look at this, right? Maybe there's an argument there. Has population just grown so much that this market has not, in any chance, got been able to keep up? Did it increase by fifty percent users of cell storage? The bottom line is that's scary, and I really don't know how well you're able to quantify if there's demand, if you increase supply by
0: 50%. It's a huge jump.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd argue that that's kind of impossible. At some point, you have to admit to yourself. I'm not saying that you can't do it. I'm not saying, but you have to admit to yourself, you're guessing at some point larger. Sure. Now, let's say that I go into a market that have has a million square feet, okay? And I'm building 50,000, right? Square feet. That's a 5% change in the market. Now, I can also see that during that market, occupancies of certain sizes of units, right, have been effectively 100% occupied when what I'm looking at, I don't look at um, transitory units as vacancy. So what that means is, oh, well, we're at 95% occupied because I have four units, but they'll be sold before the month's over and they came open in this month. That's 100% occupied, You're just trading. that Units Mm -hmm. are trading hands, but they're not vacant. They're not sitting around. You're not trying to sell them, right? So at that point, you're saying this market has, and you have rent raises at 5% a year, right? It's it's clear that 5% on this market is not going to put a dent into that market. There's so much demand. We don't have stagnant rates. This market can't even keep up. So... The effect of the, su- the supply coming onto the market in relationship to the total square footage as a percentage is something we look at. We look at the occupancy, right, and the vacancy rates and the rate history, and how long if they've been rising, if they haven't, and that new inventory coming onto the market. So if you've had, if you have, um, let's say, a market that has 10 to 15% vacancy, and they've had no rental rate increases in that market for two years. And you have a million square feet, and you're gonna build 100,000 square feet, so you're gonna increase the market by 10%. Why do you think that that market can sustain 10%? Right now, there's 15% vacancy, and they can't raise rates because more people will move out. So if you can't fill up the vacancy that's sitting there alone, right? If you're gonna add new supply, why in the world would you? Now, the reason is not just that you're developing, if you're buying that. So if I'm buying one of those facilities and trying to understand the revenue potential or where I should buy it at, I can do two things, right? I can even buy it at a super discount, like a really high cap rate, right? So that my cash flow is huge and it could absorb anything. It doesn't matter because it's such a good deal, right? Or I need to see when I'm looking at a facility, what the revenue potential is, and what my margin and my cash flow is going to be right after I take it over, that there's demand there that we can increase, we can do all that. The margins will, will, will rise, and that way it can sustain changes in those markets. So we're looking at quantifying and understanding market demand to understand where rate prices are going, we're understanding risk, um, and we're trying to understand the utilization of the product in the market. That's kind of the four things that we look at when analyzing the market. Now, let's talk about the market itself. In general, there's some simple rules. So if you have a market that's not growing in population, but it's growing 15% um, of units, so if we're adding 15% supply to a market that's not growing at all, is there 15% demand in the market? Because if they're not... That means everybody's going to be more vacant, and that's not going to change. And a lot of people don't think about this, mm-hmm. but you're not increasing demand into that market, so it won't change. You're going to be stuck. And I've seen facilities that have been stuck with high vacancy for just years and th- because there's no no one coming to fill it up. Yeah, well, You can't change that problem. If, yeah, if it's not growing, it's probably dying. Yes. And if it's dying, so if you have a market that's shrinking by 2%, you're shrinking demand. So why you think that you could get higher rate increases and why you think that that asset will appreciate, not depreciate, because it's associated with the revenue, that just doesn't make sense. So markets that are shrinking in population, we don't go to. That's just a no-go. They don't have to be booming. I don't need a booming market, right? I just need a market that's not dying. Um, Because I can understand even a market that's slowly growing can have high demand and has room to move prices, change things. What
0: would you say is a good good uh, benchmark? Again, this is not indicative of a good market or not. Obviously there's more factors to it, but what would you say is a good benchmark, just population growth wise? What do we we look at like, you know, two percent as being you that's, know, a healthy that's, growth? Yeah, that's yeah. really strong growth. Yeah. Um, you know, I think
1: there's two ways you could look at it, but I like to see long term growth. So if it's if it's very small growth, I want to make sure that that small growth has been going on for a long time. As in we're not seeing an anomaly within that market where it's like oh one employer came and hired mm-hmm. 30 people and that changed them up, right? It's like Well, <laughs> I'm
0: touching on that too is understanding what's causing that growth. I think it's yes. huge too. It's like yes. so you're not concentration getting concentration of risk. Boomtown or something, you know.
1: 100%. If that one employer goes under, is that going to wipe out all demand in that market? Mm -hmm. So just like you look at the percentage of vacancy that's hitting the market, or excuse me, the percentage of units that are going to come onto a market and what that'll affect, what is the percentage of jobs that are being supplied? What is the percentage of growth in a market and how is that concentrated? All those things are extraordinarily important.
0: No, I love it, dude. I love it. It was a great episode, really good things to talk about here. And, and understanding that there's not just one thing that tells you it's a good market or bad, no. or not just a couple things like you have to take a collective yes. uh, approach and, it's a, and make it's an a educated 40 view. Yep. All sides. Exactly. Exactly. That was awesome. AJ. Right we on. Love it. Well, well thanks, guys. Uh, check
1: out the YouTube version of this, too, where we talk about. Super good video. Yeah, super good. It was a really,
0: really, really fun one. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. We'll catch you next time.